0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Well, it's my honour to bring a word today and um, I wanted to talk about in our series that we're in now of living the journey, this idea of the freedom to follow, And and the whole point of this series as we're heading towards Easter is this idea that faith is something that we live out. It's not simply something that we acknowledge as a one-time opportunity. It's something that maybe the door gets opened through an initial response. But faith is something that we get to live. And that as we live the journey, here's the reality. The Holy Spirit journeys with us along the way and we're changed and transformed into who God's calling us to be that I believe with all my heart that the purpose of being a Christian is actually to become like Jesus. And and I know that might sound impossible and ridiculous and totally unrealistic, but it would be if it's on our terms. It would be if we're here just going into the self-help section of bookstores and just pulling those off the shelf without coming to God and saying, God, sometimes I can't change me, but You're the One who made me. So, will you shift? Will you adjust? Will you redesign me from the inside out? And it's as we live the journey, we change along the way. But the importance for me is this idea that real freedom comes in following. I know that might not quite make sense that we think that freedom is just being the ability to be ad hoc and do anything without measure, but I think true freedom comes in following. I'm mindful that there's a portion of Scripture that comes out of Psalm 119, which is an amazing Psalm. It's 176 verses long. I dare you one time: if you uh, if you want to chew up uh, 30 minutes of reading in one section of the Bible, read Psalm 119. It's, It's it's literally this Psalm is literally longer than some of the books in our New Testament. There's one psalm and the psalms are literally songs, songs of prayer put to pages. And they were there for the people of God as a way to initiate worship and change, to, to reinforce living the journey along the way. And this psalm in particular, written by this psalmist, was hijacked and designated for the Jewish New Year. It was something that regularly people would pull out around the time of the new year. I know we're not in the new year, but whenever you need a new start, look at the things that you do to start new again. And you resurrect. And so they would pull out Psalm 119 as a way of dedicating the year to come. And the Psalm is amazing. See, its main point of topic isn't so much about what the Word of God does for you. It's about what the Word of God will do out of you, So the psalmist paints this picture that it's not just about reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. It's about allowing the words of God to get so infected in you that you can't help but contain the reality of God coming out of you. It's, it's a book, it's a section of the book of Psalms totally about God breaking out through you. And there's a portion in Psalm 119 verse 32 that challenges me like nothing else. It says this, I run in the path of your commandments for you have set my heart free. Let to say that again. I run in the path of your commandments for you have set my heart free. If life is a race, and we need to be as free as possible to run it, like if if, if life is a race, and it, it behooves us to be as free as possible to run it, we need to have the right tools, the right resources, the right things in place to be able to run to the best of our abilities. And the psalmist here in this psalm, totally about what it means to live for God, but allow Him to live through you by His Spirit, challenges every single person who engages with this psalm that the real path to freedom is one of following. It's because I run in your commandments and that doesn't seem to make sense in our modern culture. What do you mean God's putting rules and regulations on me and that means that I'm free? That sounds like the exact opposite thing to freedom. But what if without that understanding of what God leads us into, every single one of us when running our race gets so far off track that we lose sight of where we're meant to be running, how we're meant to be running. And instead of finishing the race marked before us, some of us give up along the way. Some of us get exhausted along the way. Some of us even forget the reason why we started out to begin with. See, if we get to run in His commandments, then He sets our heart free. What if freedom only comes through following? What if freedom only comes for acknowledging that we need to follow the One who designed us and created us in the first place, and that true freedom is found only in that. Come on. There's two portions of Scripture that I just want to unpack quickly today as we talk about what it means to have freedom to follow. They're about two different people in different circumstances but both of them responded to the opportunity to follow Jesus in very different ways. One of them challenges me to audit my heart constantly to see what might hinder me from choosing to follow Jesus out of freedom. And the other one inspires me for what is possible when you make room for Jesus in your life. Because at the end of the day, we all get to choose how we respond. Nobody's forcing the decision. Nobody's controlling the decision. Nobody's standing here making anything happen but what we choose to respond to. And if we're truly gonna be people who live out freedom, we have to freely choose who and what we follow. And there's a portion in Scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, which if you're reading along in a literal Bible, either on your app or on on pages, you'll see that some of the Bible translations will add little section headings. I don't know if you've come across that. Where, where the printers, the publishers have put in little headings so you know what you're in for. And, and this section inadvertently always has a heading, the rich young ruler. Now you won't find those words clearly said in the Scriptures, but those publishers who wanted to make things as easy as possible for us can see this little heading that coming up and we're building up to this rich young ruler. I, I tell you what, if there was an eligible bachelor and that was on his bio, rich <laughs> young ruler. I think he's hitting three out of three. <laughs> Smashing this thing down. He is, he is desiring. He has got something going. The rich young ruler. And it says this in Mark chapter 10, as he's talking about Jesus, as Jesus was setting out on a journey. First and foremost, Jesus is on a journey. Jesus is on the move. And we get to be on the move with Him Or we get to watch Him pass by. And I know that's challenging. But God is always on the move and we get to choose to be a part of His story or we can persevere in our own story apart from Him. Scripture says that He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to invite the author into our story. And so here's the deal. Jesus is not travelling at a million miles an hour. He's travelling as fast as we can walk with Him. In the time of Jesus, He spent His time walking with people, going to people from village to village. When He's on a journey, it's not impossible to catch up. When He's on a journey, it's not impossible to keep up. When He's on a journey, it's not impossible for you to journey along. It is not hard to walk with Jesus. It just means that you choose to stay with Him. Jesus was on the journey, and he invites us to journey with him. And so, in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is an amazing question, a valid question. An important question. I, I would even say this if I'm honest. It is the most important question any person could ask with their lives. And he's come to the right person. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus here plain on what this man understands as good says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. So I believe here in this statement, what Jesus was doing was he was steering this man's attention to the fact that the reason why Jesus is good is because he is God. The reason why this man is running to Jesus as Jesus is preparing to set out on a journey, because Jesus is the only one worth following in the midst of everything else. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear a false witness. Do not defraud, honour your father and your mother. Verse 20, the rich young ruler said to him, Teacher, I've kept these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he, the rich young ruler, was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions it's a challenging account in scripture you think Jesus what are you doing turning this person aside why why are you making it so hard but if anything if you choose to follow Jesus for yourself here's the one thing you'll find out about him Jesus loves to push buttons (laughs) he loves to push buttons for the purpose of change and growth and here's what happens he cuts between the first question, the first answer, and goes to the core issue. And by his spirit, he identifies the things that we tolerate in ourselves that hinder us from going on journey with him. This rich young ruler, everything is going well. He has everything in order, yet he knows he is lacking. Otherwise, he would not have run to Jesus in the first place. He had everything. He had every new pair of shoes that dropped at Foot Locker. He had the newest Tesla. He had everything available, but yet he ran to Jesus. It implies a desperation that nothing he had of his own accord was making any difference to his heart. Because as we follow in the commandments of God, He sets our heart free. He was not free. He was desperately searching for freedom in the midst of everything that He had. And everything he was able to focus on. And he runs straight to Jesus on the journey. Jesus is easy to catch up to. He will not run ahead of you. He will simply invite you to come and be with Him. And as this rich young ruler comes to Jesus, as He is brought bare, as He lays Himself bare, He exposes the fact that while He is willing to follow certain commandments and rules that do not impact or harm others around Him, when Jesus pushes His button, will you give and go beyond and make a difference in the lives of others like never before? His button is pushed. And as His button is pushed, He disengages from the journey. it's interesting that he comes to Jesus with this question, how may I inherit eternal life? What he's basically asking is, how do I get out of this rat race? How do I get out of this constant striving, striving, striving with nothing making a difference? How do I break free of disordered desires that seem to rob from me as much as I get things? How do I break free? How can I truly be saved is what he's asking. And so I believe with all my heart that salvation is something that happens the moment you invite Jesus into your heart, but then it's something that you live out as you choose to follow Him for yourself. And it's something that you get to experience when you are welcomed into eternity by the Spirit of God. See, salvation is something that has happened if you've responded to Jesus. It is happening as you choose to follow Him and it will happen as we persevere until the end. Oh, I believe like in, in the book of Philippians, it says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that therefore, therefore my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed. So now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's something that works out in us. Yesterday, I had the honour of going to watch my seven-year-old daughter, Zoe, play basketball. And I have to say, it exploded my brain. See, I hadn't seen her play yet this season. My son, eldest son Liam, has been playing cricket. So it's taken up all of Saturdays. So finally, with this cricket season over, I was able to go with my beautiful wife, Rhiannon, to watch Zoe play her last game of basketball. And Zoe was ecstatic. And I was too, to begin with. (laughs) Until... I saw that the game was a game not so much of basketball, but of attempting to bounce the ball and losing it and, and running up and down the court and, and missing shots consistently. <laughs> I had to hold everything back within me to not walk onto the court to grab that ball as it's been shot and slam it into the ring myself. <laughs> They've lowered the, 12, the 10-foot rings to seven feet. It's not hard. <laughs> She played great. <laughs> How can she not? She's got her hair a little done up and she's bouncing around and she's stopping for timeouts like this. <sighs> <She laughs> That's so good. The cool thing is they played this team that smashed them at the start of the year. they lost by 40 points. They played the same team again. They only went down by eight or ten. It was an amazing turnaround. Phenomenal. Uh, Zoe missed every shot she took. (laughs) But here's the thing. Is Zoe a basketball player? Yes. She signed up. She became a basketball player the moment they gave her a jersey, whether she could bounce a ball or shoot it. She is a basketball player. But in the process of rocking up every Saturday and dribbling that ball out of bounds and missing every shot and she's become better and better and better until one day, see, she, 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 she is a basketball player, she's becoming a basketball player, and then one day she's going to play in the WNBA and earn millions of dollars and dunk from the three point line. I have faith. But it's the same for us as we choose to follow Jesus. The moment you choose to follow Jesus, you are on the team. No matter how badly you shoot the ball. And then you live it out. And as you live it out, you become better and better and better and better until you beat the opposition. And then you get to enter into the fullness that God has made available. So I wanna say to you today, at whatever point you are in your journey, don't stop. Allow Jesus to push your buttons. Because he pushed the buttons of the rich young ruler, not to say that the rich young ruler, that this was terrible that he had possessions. What he found was there was an idol in his heart and an idol is anything that we put ahead of our love for God. That we're unwilling to lay down. That we look at that thing as if that thing will fulfil us instead of God Himself. And if we tolerate idols in our heart, we have no room for God in our life. See, my personal conviction is if the rich young ruler had been willing to lay it aside, he would have seen the blessing of God flow in his life like never before. But one thing he was lacking, he wasn't willing to be obedient to the call. There is freedom in following. There's another person in Scripture that inspires me about the freedom to follow as we bring this to a close if I can invite the worship team to come and join me. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 32. See, there was a different person that Jesus interacted with and met along the way because, again, Jesus journeyed with people to meet people. The people are the purpose for Jesus' journeys. And He has an encounter with another rich person, another person who had opportunity to dwell on the buttons that Jesus was pushing and choose to opt out of the journey. He comes across a guy who we're gonna unpack in a moment called Levi, who was a tax collector. And before we read the account, I gotta tell you the importance of who this guy was. See, a tax collector in the day of Jesus in the nation that he's living in called Judah, that was occupied by an outside force, the Roman Empire. A tax collector was basically the guy who was empowered to go from house to house and enforce the taxation system of an oppressive regime. So not only did you have to pay your normal things to keep your own nation going, but since another nation has come on and taken ownership of your nation, what they would do is that they would force a taxation system to keep you at the lowest level of life that was tolerable while funding their own reign. And the way that they did this is that they employed locals, countrymen, brothers, sisters, to be the lackeys of their empire. And so a tax collector was not a Roman, a tax collector was a Jewish person who had been employed by the Romans, often with their own centurions to guard them, to go from house to house, to knock on doors, And to demand payment for the glory of Rome. Can you imagine that? Getting a knock at your door. Having somebody that you knew, somebody that you loved. Somebody that you think should know better. Standing there. Demanding payment for something that you don't want to pay. Demanding payment for something you're not going to get betterment for. It wasn't for the road repairs out the front of your door, it was to go to the coffers of an emperor in another part of the world. And as they'd knock on the door, they would be there with the centurions with their hands on their swords and you're left with very little choice but to obey. And if He said you didn't have the money that they said that you should be paying, then the tax collector would walk into your house without permission, without invitation, And have a look at what you've got. That beautiful Xbox is going, that TV is going, the couch is going, your fridge is going. And they would raid you and you would be left defenceless. Imagine how you would feel about tax collectors in your community. They were loan sharks for the Roman Empire. So Jesus comes across a tax collector. And you think this is a perfect opportunity for Jesus to push His buttons and say what He's doing is so wrong. Say how He deserves to receive punishment for Himself and everything in between. We see how Jesus invites people to find freedom as they follow Him. So it unpacks this in Luke chapter five, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Levi means joined with God. It's interesting that this name Levi was given to one of the sons of Israel who had started a priesthood system to serve the people. The, the, The irony is that Levi was somebody in the history of Israel who had not been given an inheritance in the promised land, but was called to serve everybody in the community that was called to lay down their life, fathers around them. And yet here is Levi in a position of taking, in a position of stealing, in a position of enforcing an oppressive system. Levi is no longer joined with God. He's joined himself with the occupier, with the enemy, with the one that wants to keep people in slavery and lack. Levi is no longer joined with God. It says this after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office in his place of power, in his place of authority. You can just imagine the Roman centurions around him. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. What, What boldness! What challenge! Very simple, follow Me. So leaving everything behind, he, Levi, got up and began to follow Him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for Him at His house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to Jesus' disciples, what do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied to Him, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So a rich young ruler had his buttons pushed and he walked away. It says in that account that Jesus loved him, but he still walked away. And Jesus walks up to Levi, the tax collector. And pushes his buttons, follow me leave this behind, leave this office, leave this role and make room for me. And Levi responds, as a button is being pushed by getting up, going home and making room for Jesus to come and be with Him so that Jesus can then be in His world and Jesus can meet all His friends and Jesus can be introduced so that others can have an opportunity to start the journey that Jesus is walking, going to people with people. That we're called to live the literal journey. That is not lip service, it's reality. They we're not called to be spectators watching along with our arms folded in our tax offices. we were invited to get out and on and make room for Jesus along the way. Here's the amazing thing about Levi. That didn't remain his name. See, Levi means joined with God. He was not joined with God. He was joined with the oppressor. His name gets changed along the way. It gets changed to Matthew which means gift of God. And this Levi who became Matthew writes the very first book in our New Testament all about who Jesus is and who He's calling us to be. And it's all done, as Jesus says, I've come to heal people of a sickness, a sickness of not living free, a sickness of living bound by false desires, a sickness where people worship other things instead of me, a sickness that the Bible calls sin, which simply means to go off the path and lose our way. And the remedy for this sickness is Jesus Himself. And He calls us to this thing called repentance, where it means to turn around from going off the road To turn around from following the rich young ruler away from Jesus. To turn around and be like Levi who became Matthew, a gift from God as we head towards Jesus ourselves. At whatever point you are in your journey, freedom is truly found as we choose to follow Jesus for ourselves. And I wanna encourage you Allow Jesus to push your buttons. Allow Him to expose the things that we've not yet laid down. Allow Him to bring with love the challenge to be who we say we are. See, we are saved and we've been saved and we will be saved. So hold on and journey with Him. He's not gonna run ahead of you. He's not gonna look down on you. He is going to invite you to journey with Him because as you journey with Him, the amazing thing is that you begin to journey with others. The difference that He does in your life can often become the catalyst to difference in the lives of others. That as Levi chooses to follow Jesus for himself and becomes Matthew, he becomes the foundation of the very first local church in the city of Jerusalem. As we bring this to a close, I want to encourage you. Find freedom in following. One of the most powerful things any one of us can do is to audit our own hearts, to come to God freely and clearly and say, is there anything in me that's hindering me from joining the journey with you? And once you become aware of that, lay it down. It may seem like the cost isn't worth it. It may seem like the cost outweighs the gain, but I promise you it doesn't. Because we actually find our lives in losing it. I know that sounds ridiculous. I know that doesn't sound like it adds up, but look at everybody who's grasping at everything that they have, constantly looking for more and look at the lack of freedom that that brings. That the reality is that as we live out of His commands, His His leading, His guidance, His encouragement, His challenges, as He pushes the buttons of our heart, we actually enter into freedom and we enter into who He's called us to be. So freedom is a choice. It's been made available. It's there to be accessed. If we choose to walk away, Jesus will let us. But He'll love us every step of the way. The door is always open. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.